Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Back here on The Look Ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. As the NBA playoffs roll on, ready for the second round. Except the Golden State Warriors. They're not ready. No, the NBA bracket is pretty much uh, filled out with the exception of who will face off against the Warriors in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. It's been all chalk so far. Throughout the playoffs, we had the Miami Heat winning in five games over the Hawks. So the one seed in the East advanced to play the number four seed in the East in the Sixers, who got by the uh, Toronto Raptors here in game six. And I probably, I didn't bet this game, but I probably should have thought more about just, well, it's not about motivation. Obviously, everyone's motivated to win the playoffs, but Doc Rivers really dealt with a lot of criticism this week and had to answer questions about his playoff failures in the past. And while part of that could be considered a distraction, the other part of it could be considered motivation. And the players, I thought, really responded and fought for him. And... They did not want this thing to go to a Game 7. Whatever he said or did or whatever, uh, he was really, really uh, assertive or whatever. I don't know. But the Sixers responded. Um, the run that they had in that third quarter really changed the game. game was over at that point. And in the second half, I mean, they just dominated the entire second half. I think they outscored, what was it, 70 to 26, is that right? Or 36, 70 to 36? I mean, that's a crazy second half. I, was, I, 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 I wasn't tuning into the game because it was on NBA TV, but um, I was checking the score, and uh, I saw that, you know, all right, four-point game, I'm checking it, all right, six-point game. You know, Raptors are hanging in there, it was like, 66, 62 maybe at one point. And then I check back, and it's like 80-something to 60-something. What? Like, what happened here that this game completely got away from the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, it was 66-61 
like in the beginning of the third quarter, kind of. Yeah, it was 64-61, and I'm like, all right, you know, it's a close game, three-point game. And then it was 87-67, to and I was like, wow, this game's over. <laughs> uh, so kudos to the 76ers for really responding. So they will take on the Miami Heat, where the Heats are... They opened up as less of a favorite than they are now, but I'm seeing Miami at about minus 180, which I think is too low. I'm surprised Miami, and I've been talking about this the entire playoffs. Miami's been disrespected this entire time. They've been great all season. They're the number one team in the Eastern Conference, and there's just not a lot of love for them in the futures market. It's all about, you know, the winner of the Celtics and the Bucks, But Miami sitting here at minus 180, I think is a tremendous price for this series. I think they win this. And they, I would I would have had them, because home court you would figure is at least you're going to give them minus 145 for being home. So you're only bumping them up a little bit. I don't agree with that. I would have them north of minus 200. So I think the Heat win this series here against the Sixers. And then... You have the Bucks, who took care of the Bulls in five games against the Celtics, who swept the uh, Brooklyn Nets and looked great in doing so. And no one has been better than the Boston Celtics since the end of January. No one has been better. Defensively, best in the NBA. Point differential, offensive rating, defensive rating, anything that you want to... Um, talk about they've been incredible since the end of January and now they take on the Bucks and this series is Celtics minus 200 and I know that Middleton is hurt but this seems like it's a little bit disrespectful to the defending champs who arguably have the best player on the floor. And this is with all due respect to Jason Tatum, who I think if we were having the conversation of, you know, if you're starting a franchise right now, who's the top player that you would build around? Realistically, I think you would have to say it's either Jason Tatum or Luka Doncic. If you could start right now, you're starting a franchise right now for the future. We're not talking about just in a year, uh, winning in a one-year span here. This is a franchise builder. So, yeah, I'm going to take the 23-year-old, you know? Luca and Jason Tatum are 23, 24 years old. You take them over the 27-year-olds, you know, the 28-year-olds, the guys like Giannis and Embiid and Jokic. So, yeah, you go with the younger guys. Um but I can make the argument that Giannis is the best player on the floor in this series. I know that the Middleton injury is going to affect them, but this, this is the defending champs. I think the price is a little bit disrespectful. A little bit disrespectful for them. That's going to be one heck of a series. And then Phoenix against Dallas. Again, the price is disrespectful. Phoenix minus 275, some books higher. Dallas 
feel like Dallas is going to give them fits and win some games. Now, I don't know if Dallas is going to win the series, but I think they have a shot. I think at that price, it's worth a look. Man, if you told me Dallas wins this series, I wouldn't sit here going, oh, wow, I can't believe that happened. No, because I think they have a shot to do it. I love them in game one. What are they catching? Six points? The last I saw? Dallas catching six in game one? I like them in game one. I might bet them in every game, if we're being honest. Because you know that the games in Phoenix, they'll be right around this six, unless there is a major adjustment. Like, let's say Dallas wins game one as a six-point dog. There'll be an adjustment on game two. But barring any major adjustment, we're talking about six. Maybe it gets bet up to six and a half, seven in the games in Phoenix. And there'll be a two and a half point dog at home, three-point dog at home. Let's think about it. If it's six in Phoenix, it's got to be four, maybe, three and a half on a neutral floor. And then you take away the the two and a half or two for Dallas. So maybe it's only a one and a half point line. One and a half or two for Phoenix in Dallas. I think they could take games. This is going to be a tough series for them. I really do. I don't think Phoenix is going to run away with this thing. I don't think this is a five-game series. I think this is at least six between these two teams. I think Dallas, you told me Dallas gets two games in the series. I say, yeah, I agree with you there. And then there's the Golden State Warriors who are just waiting to see who they're going to play. Game number six between the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies here on Friday night. Memphis, a one-point favorite on the road, total of 229. That total has gone down from the previous five games in this series, and it makes sense. You know, last game went under. Uh, Defensive intensity certainly will pick up in an elimination game. So I kind of agree with the movement towards the, the total going lower, but this series has been... Just so close. Frankly, the the price in game number five was a little bit disrespectful because of how close this series has been. The fact that the Grizzlies were six and a half point favorites to me was a little bit disrespectful over Minnesota. That one came down to the wire and John Morant made the, you know, the, the layup. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. 
Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. The great move. Now it's a one-point line. That Should that be accurate? Kind of saw something similar with Dallas in Utah being the one-point favorite. And that game came down to the wire, right? Utah put up the fight. They lost by two and had a shot, a chance to win it at the end of the game. I think, I think Minnesota wins this game. I think this goes to seven. And in game seven, I think we'll get an adjustment on the price. And I think that Memphis will be a much lower favorite than what they were in games one, two, and five. But I think Minnesota's probably the play here at home. You would expect them to come out strong here, much like we saw from Utah come out with a strong first half. They had a 12-point lead. And the Mavericks were just the better team. And maybe that's the case here. Maybe the Grizzlies are the better team. But right now, this series has essentially been a coin flip between these two. And I'm going to take the point here with the home team. Maybe this even goes up higher. Give myself a little bit of a cushion here uh, because I do think Minnesota's the right side. I'm Scott Satterberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we will uh, get back into the NFL draft, find out exactly what went down at all of the festivities there uh, on the strip. Joe Arrigo from Franchise Sports Media will join us here coming up next. This is The Look Ahead here on V. VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of city casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are city casts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local city cast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Joining us now from Franchise Sports Media, he is Joe Arrigo. Joe is covering the draft tonight at the Strip here in Las Vegas. Joe, before we get into uh, the picks or whatnot, set the scene for us. What was it like there at the draft? Over a hundred somewhat thousand people packed in there outside of the uh, Caesars Forum shops and, uh, of course, the the red carpet at the Bellagio Fountain. Just set the whole st- scene for us here. Well, we well, I got there probably about uh, 12 o'clock, and the NFL experience was already jam-packed. I mean, you go in there, and you have everything from, from the FedEx, uh, where, they have, where they have all the, like, throwing, like, machines, and you can kind of compete against that to – a beer, a, a draft tavern. So you go in a draft, like a beer garden. So all this stuff the NFL experience has, it was everybody around. And, and the draft stage area was already starting to get filled up. And ironically, one of the best things I seen was 
a family came and they brought their chairs and they already had them sat up at about 1.30. And they sat there and that was their seat for the entire draft as they watched everything looking at the stage. Uh, everybody is walking around freely. I mean, you've seen guys like uh, Todd Gurley walking around, um, Austin Eckler. So a bunch of NFL guys walking around, having a good time interacting with people. And today about one o'clock, Bo Jackson uh, did a meet and greet with some fans. So that was really cool. That's awesome. Uh, it certainly was a spectacle to be seen on television. I'm glad I avoided it like the plague. Uh, so I didn't have to deal with any traffic and uh, just enjoyed my time here downtown at the Circo with great draft parties going on here all night. Uh, and, and traditional booing of Roger Goodell, of course it took place and he tried the trick. He tried to bring out the Raiders on stage so that the crowd wouldn't boo. They weren't having any of it. He tried to bring out Ice Cube as well. <laughs> I mean, that still didn't work. And you know what? I, the only re I, I wish they would have booed a little bit harder. I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> I would like to do a little bit harder, but, you know, they, they did a really good job. You know, the NFL has done a really good job when they put this on. Um, when, you know, the, even the traffic getting down there, it wasn't as bad as I thought. You know, you know, we took a different route, um, dropped to Coble, cut across to Flamingo, and it, and it worked out real well. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, this is the NFL. This is probably the biggest event other than the Super Bowl. They know what they're doing. And there's no better place to have it than Las Vegas. I mean, I, I'm a little older, so I remember it being down, uh, being, being out in New York at Radio City Music Hall where, I mean, it, it, you've seen everything happen and the history and tradition there. But what they're doing here, the way they're doing it, it's only going to improve, and they did a great job to start it off. It's, it's, it, you're right, because, and I've been to, I mean, I've covered probably six drafts at Radio City, and five, yeah, five or six, six drafts, and... The thing with that is, if you are not in Radio City, or if you're not at one of the hotels nearby, you don't know that the NFL draft is going on. Everyone here knows the draft is in town. That's the benefit you get of doing it in a city like Las Vegas, as opposed to just being in New York, where literally you can go across the street from Radio City, and people have no idea the NFL draft is going on. That's crazy. And, and the city's buzzing, Scotty. You know it. It's everybody here is talking about yesterday. I went down there just kind of get a little preview. And it was, I mean, the people there you know, going out to the link and actually hung out with a couple guys. Uh, one got drafted today and one uh, will probably be drafted early tomorrow. And it was phenomenal. They had such a good time. And they're like, man, this is great. Their agents were happy with, you know, everything. So, you go anywhere, it's NFL this, NFL draft here, there. It, it's great. It, I couldn't be happy. This is this is like my birthday was a couple of weeks ago. The NFL draft used to happen in the middle of April. Uh -huh. and that was NFL's birthday present to me growing up. They moved <laughs> it a little bit, but I'll take the belated gift. Nice. Yeah, they did it just for you. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> uh, how surprised were you that Malik Willis was not taken in the first round, considering all the hype about him possibly being the first quarterback taken off the board? You know, ironically, I was with him last night. And um, the thought was 17 to Pittsburgh or um, potentially um, to Atlanta, believe it or not. And I, I'm pretty shocked because I didn't expect the first quarterback to come off the board at Pittsburgh's pick. I thought there'd be some type of movement and a quarterback will come up a little bit earlier, or get drafted a little bit earlier. And then Malik would probably be right behind him. Uh, and, and when Pittsburgh was on the clock, 
I actually was talking with some other people, and I thought that, you know what, Pickett stayed home. You know, I don't think the Rooney's wanted to make the same mistake they made when they passed on Marino mm-hmm. uh, back in the day and, and, and drafted senior sack. But then at, at the same time, um, Malik Willis had a great, you know, meeting and great time with Mike Tomlin. So I thought this, this could be the spot. And when they picked Pickett, I wasn't surprised. But then I was like, okay, where's Malik going to fall? And unfortunately, you know, second round, I hope it's not a Geno Smith type fall, but I think you'll see some type of movement early tomorrow, and he'll be picking the first couple picks in the second round. Yeah, I would agree with that, and it's interesting to look at the teams that do have those early picks, and I've kind of been pushing this narrative that the New York Giants, who did not pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones, could be in the market for Malik with the fifth pick here in the second round. I agree. In fact, I thought the Giants would probably call Green Bay to try to get the 28 to take him there to get that fifth-year option, to be honest with you. I thought Green Bay was looking to move. I know they're trying to move up in the draft. And with Willis being available, I thought a team like the Giants or Seattle would try to get up and potentially grab him. But unfortunately um, for Malik, you know, that didn't happen. And the Giants had a sneaky good, you know, first round. Uh, I think they, they shored up some needs right off the bat. But for Malik, you start looking at teams like Atlanta, uh, the aforementioned Giants, Seattle, and I even think the Saints potentially could be Mm. a a sneaky place for him to land tomorrow. Yeah, and Seattle's got two picks in the top 10 of the second round here coming up on Friday. Uh, Who won the first round of the draft, in your opinion? Your Jets. There we go. I mean, look, I guess Sauce Gardner at four, arguably the best corner, depending on what you like, him or, or Stingley. To come back and get arguably the best receiver in Garrett Wilson at 10. And then, you know, Jermaine Johnson, the second, slid down boards. And some some people had him going as high as four in a lot of mock drafts. Some people had him a top 10 guy. And to get him at 26, to trade back into the rounding and pick him up from Tennessee, that's a coup. The Jets really improved themselves. And, and you got to be excited because, I mean, the talk around town was they offered a boatload of picks for Debo Samuel, and the 49ers turned it down. So to get those three guys and you have them on rookie deals to go with with Wilson and you know, grow with Wilson and with that young group of guys there, I really like what the Jets did. Yeah, I mean, I can't complain. The only thing I'll complain about is that I had an eight to one ticket on Ikem Aquonu to go fourth overall. So I was hoping to cash that thing. But uh, I'm very happy with Sauce Gardner going at four. And I think they hit a home run with Wilson. And then, yeah, you mentioned it. Jermaine was a guy that everyone was hyping up possibly top 10. They could take him at four. They could take him at 10. And for them to trade back into the first round and get him at 26, I thought was highway robbery. So they did a tremendous job. So Joe Douglas, uh, they, they deserve a ton of credit there um, uh, in Florham Park. So we know the Jets won the draft. Uh, anything that disappointed you about maybe a team that took somebody that you didn't think that they needed or took somebody too high? What disappointed you about the first round? You know, the New England's pick kind of questioned me. You know, it was questionable <laughs> to me. Like, you pick a small school offensive guard. Like, that was one. You know, Cole Strange is a guy I was kind of like, are you really? Um, I, and, I, you know, and another guy, honestly, that, you know, if you could look at it and kind of question it, is Green Bay. Now, I'm not saying they needed to take a wide receiver right away. You know, I mean, if, if the guys that they wanted, the rumors were going into today that that their GM, Brian Gunnikins, was trying to trade up into the 11th spot with Washington to take Jamison Williams, who they coveted. And once they were unable to do that, 
they they kind of pivoted and seen the way that the board fell and, and they went with what I think is a, a different strategy to, to get uh, the guys they drafted where they drafted to get the linebacker at 22, which now they're, I don't, I see them playing more of a, their, their base scheme is kind of like one, you know, with Devondre Campbell in the backer. Now you got to, you, they can play three nickel coverage and, and kind of go from there. And then to take the D tackle who, you know, that was a, that was a sneaky position of need for them. But the biggest need is a receiver. You need to get a receiver. Who's Aaron Rodgers going to throw to Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Amari Rodgers. Like that's not a great group of receivers or Sammy Watkins. You need to get some, some young blood up in there and they didn't do that. So I'm kind of questionable. I kind of question whether or not, not who they took, but why didn't they get more aggressive and move up to get a receiver early on? And then you focus on that defense on the backside. Well, we'll see what they do here in the second round. There could be plenty of moves to make. Like, you know, the A.J. Brown was on the move, and who knows, maybe Debo Samuel will be on the move here in day two. Joe, appreciate the time and the conversation. Enjoy rounds two and three tomorrow. All right, Scott, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. There's Joe Arrigo, Franchise Sports Media. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSA. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Scott Sandberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. We got a full slate of Major League Baseball games coming up here on Friday night. So, series are beginning. We're going to have lots of fun with that. I will tweet out at Scott's on Air, once I have made the selections for the day and updated them on the best bets page, best bets page, say that 12 times fast, on vcin.com. So I'll let everybody know when the selections have been made and when you can log on to the website and check those out. On the season, uh, updated today after an 0-2 day, which uh, that's that stinks. 39, 16, and 2 on the season. Overall baseball record with the play of the day record. Remember, one top play every single day of the baseball season. Starting back on opening day, going through the end of the season. 15, 6, and 1 with the play of the day. 39, 16, and 2 is the overall record that was updated here on the 28th. So let's take a look at the games here on Friday the 29th. Padres, Pirates, you Darvish, Zach Thompson uh, with the Padres minus 180 in this spot. And uh, it is a new series beginning after the Pirates just got swept by the Brew Crew. Uh, so the Padres looking to keep their momentum after they just finished off a sweep of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Mariners take on the Marlins. Uh, Seattle is minus 120. Matt Brash on the hill against uh, Eliezer Hernandez. For Hernandez, uh, not a good outing his last time out. Five runs on seven hits and four and two-third against Atlanta. Meanwhile, Matt Brash has shown some promise here early on this season. Uh, three runs allowed in on five hits and four and a third in his last outing against the Royals. Um, yeah, Brash is a guy who has... Yeah, like I said, it showed some promise. People are pretty high on him uh, this season. And let's just give a little check here on 
I want to look at some of his advanced numbers here for the Mariners. Update here on... No, don't... Oh, because he hasn't qualified for this yet. So, minimum at bats, one. We'll update this. No, I downloaded it by accident. Oops. <laughs> Guess I downloaded something. Uh, Matt Brash, let's see. 6.3 is not a bad barrel rate. It's not a good, but it's not bad. Um, he's at... He's only faced 39 guys. Exit velo on average, 91.5. So if you're looking in comparison uh, on the on his own team, uh, it's kind of middle of the pack. But like I said, showing some promise, and definitely there's some people that have taken notice to Matt Brash and have some high expectations for him this season. 23-year-old um, Matt Brash. Uh, now let's look at the Red Sox against the Orioles. Rich Hill is on the mound against Kyle Bradish. Kyle Bradish um, getting his first action of the season. And for Rich Hill, this is a guy who at this point in his career, it's going to be a fun watch because he's just going to, you know, a grunting on every pitch. It's a, it'll drive you crazy watching the game. But he just doesn't. Have, he's got to be on point with his control because he doesn't have the velocity anymore. And frankly, he's never really had the velocity. But he does keep guys off balance. He's never going to be a high strikeout guy. He's going to pitch to contact. The thing is, is that is that contact going to be soft contact? Or is it going to be high contact, hard contact? Exit velo average, 89.7. A 5.2 barrel percentage. Barrel events, he's at 6.8. So he doesn't really get barreled up that much. Because he does, look, he has movement on his pitches. And it's all about timing when you face a guy. In Rich Hill. Now, the Orioles offense hasn't blown you away at all this season. They do have guys that can hit. I worry about the new dimensions in left field. The Orioles have played six games at home so far this season. They're 5-0-1 to the under. So, the total here is at nine, and it might be too high. My only concern is that, could Rich Hill give up a ton of runs? <laughs> or Rich Hill could pitch great. And Kyle Bradish is just an unknown. So that would be my only issue, but I tend to lean the under here at nine between Red Sox and the Orioles. Astros take on the Blue Jays. Jose Urquidy against Yusei Kikuchi. The uh, Blue Jays are minus 120. Toronto at this point in the season has the best record, or I guess second best record, in the American League, uh, the Yankees are 13 and 6. Toronto is 13 and 7. Um, not a great run differential. They've given up runs, they've scored runs. Uh, the Astros this year, it's been an interesting start 10 and 9, kind of up and down. Urquidy, uh, through his three starts, has given up a home run in every single game that he has thrown. Uh, allowed a homer to the Angels, a homer to the Mariners, and a homer to. 
uh, Blue Jays. Now you're getting Urquidy again against the Blue Jays. That last game, by the way, was on Saturday. He got tagged for two runs on six hits in five and two-thirds innings. And uh, let's let's see how it played played out. Top of the first inning, George Springer let off the game with a home run. There you go. No run first inning, down the drain. Sorry. Uh, then Bo Bichette struck out. Vladdy singled, followed by a Yuli Gurriel single. Then uh, Chapman struck out. Kirk walked. So the bases were loaded in the first inning after George Springer homered. In the second inning, he has a clean inning. In the third inning, he has a clean inning. In the fourth inning, he uh, gives up a Kirk single, followed by a Rymel Tapia double play. So it gets out of that jam. Then a clean fifth inning. So it really was, and then in the sixth inning, he uh, gives up a run. Bobochette singled, followed by a Guriel single, followed by a Guriel sack fly. So a Guerrero, Vlad Guerrero single and a Guriel sack fly. So it was really the first inning and the sixth inning that did him in. Now, what do I think about that? Well, the first inning, obviously, it's very tough. First time you face the team, um, first time you face the top of the lineup, always tough to get through those guys. And um, we saw it happen with... Um, the, the Springer home run, right? And then second time through the lineup is the second time through the lineup, whatever. The third time through the lineup, though, you see, that's where guys really run into trouble, and that's where he ran into trouble. So first time through the lineup, allowed a home run and loaded the bases. Third time through the lineup was when he gave up back-to-back hits. And, and then a sack fly to allow another run. So first time through the lineup, runners reached base. Third time through the lineup, runners reached base. But I'd be concerned if I was the Astros pitching coaches is to probably not allow them to get through the lineup for a third time. But then it comes down to your bullpen usage and things like that. And do you have guys and, or do you need length from him? Uh, Blue Jays and Astros total is eight and a half in this game. You got the Angels and the White Sox in a game that I honestly cannot wait to watch. You got Noah Syndergaard and Lucas Gilito on the mound. Chicago minus 125 with a total of seven. It's a really low total. And I would venture that the first five total, let me see if it's up right now. Uh, Let's see. It's got to be low. First five total. Is three and a half. Yeah. It's so low, but I think we get it. The under three and a half is actually juiced right now. Giolito's been great to start the year. He's only allowed one run in eight innings on the season. He's got 15 strikeouts. He's looked great. And Noah Syndergaard is pitching to some of the lowest barrel rate in Major League Baseball right now through his three starts. Pitched five and a third shutout against Houston. Gave up two runs on in six innings against Texas. Gave up two runs in five and two-thirds against the Orioles. But you got two really good pitchers here, and I think we could be headed towards an under. I, w- I might consider that first five under. Three and a half is low, but we might get there with these two pitchers. We'll continue to look at the uh, we'll continue to look here at the board for Friday in Major League Baseball. 
see if we settle on any leans for our best bet. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on Visa. On VSIN, the sports betting network. The VSIN Spring Special is here. For only $59, you get everything VSIN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VSIN.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily NLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel is going to have his best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil's breaking down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VSIN experience, which features a daily best bets email, Every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream wherever you want it. The cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now. vcin.com slash spring. Scott Seidenberg here with you. This is the look ahead on vcin, the uh, sports betting network. Um, I wanted to look at some advanced stats in major league baseball and welcome to 500 greatest songs a podcast based on rolling stones hugely popular influential and sometimes controversial list i'm britney spanos and i'm rob sheffield we're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great from classics like fleetwood max dreams to the ronettes be my baby and modern day classics like the killer's mr brightside listen to rolling stones 500 greatest songs on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Eh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. To see the pitchers that have the lowest uh, expected weighted on base average and the pitchers who have the highest expected weighted on base average, which really tells how well the pitcher is pitching. Because it determines the probability of the outcomes, not exactly the outcomes. So, like, let's say, for instance, you know, like I talked about the other day with the Cardinals and the Mets, um, a a soft ground ball gets hit, and the pitcher, Steven Matt, sticks out his glove, and it hits off of his glove, and the shortstop, who is right there in position to field the ground ball, 
doesn't get the field the ground ball because the pitcher deflects it away from him. Or the ball goes off the pitcher's glove where he really should have fielded the ground ball and made the play. Now, whether it's an error or a hit on the play doesn't matter. That's the outcome. But the expected outcome based on the quality of the ball put in play is nine times out of ten going to be an out as opposed to a hit. It's actually, you know, I guess it's nine out of ten. I think the expected batting average on that hit was like, you know, anyway. Some of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball so far. Alex Cobb of the Giants has been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic this season. So has Clay Holmes, the Yankee reliever. Uh, Steven Wilson from San Diego has been great this year. Clayton Kershaw has had a very good season. Nestor Cortez of the Yankees, who is starting on Friday against the Royals, has been one of the top pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. In fact, right now, he is ranked eighth in all of Major League Baseball in expected on expected weighted on base percentage, which is the quality of contact combined with strikeouts combined with walks. Nestor Cortez this season. And what a revelation this guy has been for the Yankees. Since they moved him out of the um, bullpen into the rotation, Nestor Cortez this season, in his first start, four and a third shutout innings, five strikeouts, no walks, three hits allowed. In his second start of the season, five shutout innings, 12 strikeouts, one walk, Three hits. And in his third outing, two runs allowed on a home run. So, really one mistake pitch. Uh, It was the only hit he gave up in six and a third innings. He walked two. He struck out eight. So, if not for one mistake pitch, Nestor Cortez might have um, an ERA of zero through three starts this season. But 1.15 is pretty good. But looking at his, like, stat cast metrics, metrics, this dude has been one of the top 10 pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. And it's not like he's an overly hard thrower. It's just he's got good movement. He places the ball well. Yankees are minus 210 going up against uh, Chris Bubik. And the Royals, where this dude has given up five runs in two of his three starts. He gave up five runs to the uh, Guardians. He gave up five runs to Seattle. And, man, I just don't see how the Yankees in the first five innings aren't the play here. With Nestor Cortez on the hill and the way that he has been dominant this season. That's what I would look at. I'd look, at, and you got to try to mitigate the, uh, the the juice here, so you're probably going to have to go Yankees on the uh, run line in the first five innings. I, I'd say Yankees for the game as well. I learned my lesson. I don't think I could do full games anymore. First of all, I'm never, I was never really a big for, uh, full game guy. I've always been a first five guy. But I've been burned. I was burned here on Thursday. Someone hurt me. 
and it was the uh, Reds bullpen. Uh, but the Yankees in the first five innings right now, the uh, run line at minus a half is minus 142. So still within my threshold. You guys know I don't do anything above minus 160. Uh, 155 is really, you know, kind of ideal. Anything below 150 is kind of a play for me. Uh, I'll push it to 160 if I, there's something that I really like, uh, but I don't really do anything higher in terms of the juice. So seeing it minus 142, Yankees uh, minus a half a run for the first half, uh, for the first five, probably going to be the way to go. The total in the first five is four and a half. And the only reason why I wouldn't take anything with that is just because Yankees might be able to score that uh, on their own. Uh, we got the um, let's you know other pitchers that have been really really good this season um, that could be making a start here uh, pretty soon. Let's see, uh, Carlos Rodon who just started recently, uh, he's been great. Um, yeah, you got uh, I guess Kyle Wright for Atlanta, he's been really good this season. Max Scherzer, no surprise there. Zach Gallon of Arizona has been good this season. Now some of the worst pitchers. <laughs> Chris Mazza of Tampa Bay is the worst in the league by far, uh, followed by uh, Huascar Enoa, which we already knew. <laughs> we we know about Huascar Enoa and how bad he is. Um, our guy that we love to fade, Joanna Doan, <laughs> he's up there, top five worst. Nick Pavetta from Boston has actually had a rough start to the season. And coincidentally, the dude pitching for the Kansas City Royals, Chris Pubik. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. We're going to fade you in the first five. Uh, the Diamondbacks take on the Cardinals. It'll be Madison Bumgardner and Adam Wainwright. Again, 10 years ago, this would have been one of the best games to watch in Major League Baseball. It's still going to be pretty good because these guys can still throw the ball. Reds take on the Rockies. Hunter Green, the young uh, phenom, is going to throw some gas against the Rockies. The Rockies, though, are back home. And home cooking probably going to do them well. They just lost four straight in Philadelphia after taking two of three in Detroit against the Tigers. But I'm sure they're happy They're happy to be home. I mean, the run output in Philadelphia was not great. One run, three runs, three runs, two runs. And this was an offense that was tops in Major League Baseball. But now returning home, I'm sure we will see the offense do better here. Hard to not like the Rockies against the Reds. And, uh, yeah, the Reds just are not a, a very good team right now. Aaron Saval, Frankie Montas in the matchup between the A's and the Guardians, Tigers and the Dodgers. A pair of Tylers will be on the hill. Tyler Alexander against Tyler Anderson. And then Alex Wood goes for the Giants against Aaron Sanchez of the Nationals. Uh, just looking at some of the other worst uh, top you know bad guys in the league. Um, Vince Velasquez has been bad. We already knew that. That's a guy that we will certainly be looking to fade once um, his start comes around for the White Sox, which I thought actually was going to be here against the Angels and Noah Syndergaard. When I was looking at the schedule, I really thought that it was going to be Syndergaard here against uh, Velasquez, and I was like, hey, this is going to be a great bet on the Angels. But Velasquez is going uh, on Saturday, and he will oppose um, Jose Suarez. So that will probably take the Angels again. Coming up this morning on Follow the Money, Aaron Rinning for NBA Handicapper at 745. Ross Tucker, uh, Westwood One NFL analyst at 8 a.m. Oscar Goodman, former Las Vegas mayor, 
at 8.30 a.m. And the one and only Derek Stevens, uh, owner and CEO here at Circa, will join the program. That is coming up on Follow the Money. Derek Stevens will be on at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.